Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 90 of the show, getting close to 100. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. We're here to recap the Premier League. So, what's going on this week? A lot of work. Uh, Premier League was there. It was awesome to see. Uh, great to see it back. Summer's dying down, so uh shall lighten up, lighten up my workload, hopefully. Um, high school soccer starting up. Um, they're having their own little managerial change there, uh, change or passing of the torch, if you will. Um, great signs are coming from them. Um, got club soccer starting up next week with my little guys. So we're getting pretty fucking busy right now, to be honest with you. It's going to be crazy getting back into the fall here. Yeah, we're just going to have to figure out. I don't know if the date will change for the show or not. It may have to. It may, no. Now we'll be good for Wednesday's no. though. No, my training for the little guys is Tuesdays and Thursdays. Oh, cool. So we'll be straight there. And then if there's any high school elements there, the, a game or anything, it'll be over by 6. So we'll be straight there. All right, word. Um, all right, well, with that, let's uh, get ourselves into uh, match day one. We're going to recap and then give you guys some pretty straight, like, off-the-cuff um, predictions for the following week. I know, Matt, you probably have the results from last week, right? Yep, both of us ended uh, even 5-5. Five and five. Evan yeah. pulled it back there the last day with that uh, West Ham win. Mm-hmm. So we're all square. It's like nothing happened. <laughs> all right, cool. So we pushed this week. Yep. Um, let's go to Brentford Community Stadium to <laughs> recap a match one of the Premier League. Just rip the Band-Aid off. Ah, it was quite a result. Brentford 2, Arsenal 0. This game on Friday, August 13th, Morgan's birthday. Um, I had the pleasure to, well, I don't know if it was pleasure or displeasure. I'd say displeasure. Um, To sit and watch Brentford. Dismantle an Arsenal side who just looked flat everywhere. Um, Arsenal without Lacazette, without Aubameyang to illness. Um, Apparently both of them were ill. Interesting mm. that we get that news, you know, six hours before kickoff. Um, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure what to make of it yet, but uh, I have my own theory. Uh, I would imagine at least Lacazette's on his way out, and and I don't, I don't know what's going on with Aubameyang. You know, he has his own problems with Arteta and the club. Um, yeah. so I'm not necessarily confident in his situation moving forward either, but kind of have to put that aside, um, because neither of those, those guys played. Arsenal put out a side who I thought weren't horrendous, but I mean, we were playing, um, you know, we, we had Belogan up top who has, I don't think he's ever started a Premier League match. I think this was his, his first start, so... Yeah. He got thrown uh, into the deep end. Yeah, the poor guy. I mean, he he's young. He, he There really wasn't much he could do, and I don't think any of it necessarily falls on him, you know, the loss. I I would more so have to put it on, on Paolo Mari and, and new signing Ben White, who looked absolutely fucking horrendous. Um, Arsenal conceded off a long throw. First goal went in. Uh, that was Sergio Canos in the 22nd, and then Norgard. Uh, added one in the second half in the 73rd minute. And Arsenal were never truly in the game. They didn't look lively. They didn't look sharp. You know, they had 22 shots, but only four of those were on target. Although they dominated possession, they were never the ones in the driving uh, in the driver's seat. I, I never for one minute felt like Arsenal had their foot on the gas here. And this was a really poor showing. And I think that 
that um, Mikel will, will certainly be in the hot seat after after this performance, and um, we're going to have to look forward and, and see what happens next week with with Chelsea. But if Arsenal put out a side like this, they're going to get fucking battered by Chelsea, and they're going to get battered by Chelsea probably regardless. But if they play like this, it's going to be piss poor. Before before I let you get in here um, and talk about Brentford a little bit, because they do deserve credit, and it was fantastic to see. Um, Brentford Community Stadium, full of full of fans, and there was a moment where uh, after the first goal went in, there was a it, it panned to a guy and he was sobbing, like he was he was full on crying, and yeah. in that moment you realize not only what what it means to to newly promoted clubs, but what it just means to be back in the stadium, and what what a fantastic. Um, thing to see you know full capacity everybody's back the chance it's it's unmatched there's nothing like it and you know that was that was fantastic to see um what was the thing i was gonna say i forget oh uh new signings yeah we signed odegaard today for 35 mil and i think there's some stipulations to that but he gets to choose where he wants to go after or if he wants to go after so that's fine Mm. uh and then we brought in aaron ramsdale which i thought was long dead but Ramsdale's going to be on his way in. Interesting way to spend 75 mil, Ramsdale and Odegaard, but I guess it's better than nothing. So, you know, Arsenal have done quite a bit of business uh, this transfer window with Lukonga and Ben White coming in as long or as well as Ramsdale. And, um, yeah, so it's all right. We'll see. We'll see how things go. Uh, a lot of youth in this Arsenal side, so I'm going to try and keep my head up. Just not sure where we're headed. So I'll let you talk about Brentford. Yeah, Brentford is a team that nobody had any idea what to expect. Um, a lot of teams that are newly promoted are uh, familiar faces within the past five to ten years, like this year with Norwich and Watford. You you had somewhat of a reference to pick from when we did our predictions, season predictions and uh, games. We knew the players, a lot of familiar faces. And with this Brentford side, um, we've only, I think in their whole squad, two players have seen any Premier League experience, and it's been very limited. So... Nobody had a clue on what was going to go on. Um, only the Brentford squad knew what they were capable of, and they showed what, what they offered. I mean, statistically, they were second to the bottom in possession. Arsenal's always a great possession side, um, and they did well in periods of the game. But uh, little thing, little slip-ups here and there, uh, bad clearance from Callum Chambers, I believe, uh, keeps it in play, and Canos gets the goal. And then another mistake on the other end from... Um, uh, Leno being picked by one of the Brentford players shouldn't let that happen. So just little mistakes here and there, and uh, Brentford capitalized on it. So they, they took their chance as well. Um, home field advantage was huge there. Now you can finally say that with all the fans there. Like you said, it was awesome to see. Um, the manager, I think Frank, I think that's his last name, something like that. We'll, we'll learn it over the weeks. But uh, great guy, pre-match talks with uh, Neville and Carragher. Very straightforward guy, likable. Um, and after the game, him celebrating with the fans, doing a couple laps was awesome to see. Um, Tooney, I was I was a little disappointed he didn't get very involved in the game. That was one of my bets I had. Um, that Friday match I didn't hit. I had him getting a couple shots on goal, and he didn't have any. So unfortunate for there. I was hoping a lot more for a debut for a guy scoring 31 last year, but 
we'll see next week when they play Palace. He'll definitely have more chances there. It'll be more open for them. But, um, yeah, overall, we're going to learn more about this team and more about the players. Um, I'll say this now. Their goalkeeper, I think, Raya, mm-hmm. um, he was man of the match for me on their side. He played an absolute wonderful game, a couple great saves. Uh, I know one from, um, I'm thinking of Pepe, low yep. cross from T- Tierney, who played well near post. So uh, he really earned them those three points there. So great to see from them. And uh, I'm really excited to see them next week against Palace in a more fair, balanced uh, game, if you want to say on paper. Yeah, uh, we'll have to see how, how Brentford, um, you know, carries these fortunes into the next week. But I think it was a strong showing for them, certainly. Um, you, you love to get a result against a club like Arsenal, who, yeah, you know, used to be one of the top six. I don't know if they are anymore, but they were at one point. I think um, it's too early to say off that now. Yeah, it, it certainly is. But I think that, that momentum from week one, yeah. you know, that's certainly going to have an effect on well, how they play next week. To make it fair, I mean, City last season, their first eight games were in 13th position. Yeah. And then they go on a 19-match run now. I'm not saying Arsenal will replicate <laughs> a 19-match run. I won't, I won't even say Chelsea can. That's, that's maybe once in a decade kind yeah. of run for a team. But I think if you can put eight or nine games together where you're not dropping any points, then you can really climb the ladder to the table. And I think the, the sooner in the season you do, the better, because psychologically that can really... Uh, affect the teams around you. So I think it's possible for Arsenal now that you got your guy Odegaard in, their number one target. Yep. Uh, you get a guy like Ramsdale, who's probably going to get the, the nod over Leno uh, to start off, get that English spine with Ben White. Uh, so Arsenal's looking more homegrown there, if you want to say, with the English players. Yep. Uh, you get Odegaard, uh, who's familiar with the club, so I'm sure if he's fit, he'll be thrown right into this Chelsea game, probably right off the bench, or even start if Smith Rowe needs some time. But um, I think they definitely are one of the teams that have a tough start because after this week at Chelsea, they'll play City. So I think one of these two games, they need to pick up a win. That is for certain. Moving on to Manchester United versus Leeds. Manchester United absolutely battered Leeds at Old Trafford. It was an absolute slaughter. Not necessarily what I was expecting. I thought it could be a little tighter. But United came out all guns blazing. Bruno Fernandes hat trick, Mason Greenwood, fantastical, and even Fred got in on the scoring. Four assists for Paul Pogba, who was my man of the match. I know Bruno got a hat trick and he got the ball, yeah. but for me it was Pogba. Um, this was just unreal. I mean, it was a fantastic showing. This is a, a very old rivalry, and United came out on top and are in just. I mean, this this is how you want to start your season. You want to put you you want to put five goals in. You want to batter a team that you know people were thinking, oh, maybe they'll be all right this season. This is the way that you you carry momentum forward into that first part of the season, which is so crucial, as we know. Uh, United had a really rough start last season, and this uh, this is just an entirely different team than we were seeing at the beginning of the, the, the season last year. 16 shots for United, eight of those on target. They didn't carry all of the possession, split it just about 50-50 with leads, but they were just all over. They were smothering leads, and when they weren't smothering leads, they were forging up the field themselves. Pogba was just immense. This this was France Pogba. This was the Pogba. Yeah. This was the one that we saw during um, the Euro and and that we've seen in World Cups past. And even when he used to play at Juve, this was this was vintage Paul Pogba. 
And even though he had a couple slip-ups, he he worked hard enough to get himself and his teammates into those positions where he could get the ball up, get the ball into the box, and he was he was just facilitating so much. I haven't seen I haven't seen him play like that, you know, in a United shirt probably ever. That was that was just a flawless performance. Um, and I'd like to give a shout out also to the United defense. They were solid. Sean Juan Basaka. Juan Basaka, this was probably the best game I've seen him play in United shirt as well. I thought I thought he was, you know, infallible. He was very, very good. And Lindelof with an absolute worldie of an assist. One of the best uh, passes from a center back that I've seen uh in, in, in quite some time. All around the park, United were very solid, and, and Greenwood looked really, really good. I'm hoping that we see yeah. more of him. He he was really sharp, and I think we have to give him credit as well. But, you know, if, if Fernandez and Pogba can play together in 60-70% of these games, United are going to be an absolute force in the midfield. Yeah, I mean, uh, Greenwood with that form, I know he ended last season scoring, I think, six straight games, seven straight games. Yep. So we know he's capable. Ollie's Ollie's come out and said he's probably the best finisher at the club, uh, even with the squad now. So that's saying something at the age of 19, what he brings to the squad. And he can really compete with Cavani there because uh, if they give Cavani the nod, he'll have to play more of a wide role, uh, creating the plays from there where he looks very deadly up top. So And the same thing goes with Pogba. They start Fred and McTominay in the back, holding the holding mids, and he plays more forward. He doesn't have as many defensive roles. Uh, like in the Euros when he had N'Golo Conte there, so he had the leisure to go forward uh, and do what he wants, and now you can see what what happens. I mean, Paul Pogba is probably one of the most criticized players in the Premier League, uh, more for his off-field acts than that, but some's war- some of that criticism is warranted and others isn't, but um, if you come out day one and drop four assists, I'm pretty sure everybody should be um, praising you. There shouldn't be any criticism about it. It's just now consistency and carrying it on to the next match, and I think United have a great first four to five games of the year uh, where they can definitely run the table if they have no injuries, no problems like that. So uh, Jane Sancho played a more minor role in this game coming on late as a sub. So he's just getting training in, uh, still recovering from the Euros maybe. So they're just trying to work him into the system slowly but surely. So it'll be nice to see that. And they unveiled Varane. Uh, before kickoff in front of 75,000 people, which I thought was a smart marketing move and just a great, great move overall from the club just to really emphasize to him what to expect going to these games at home. So it's a dream come true for him, happy for him, uh, lining up with Maguire, who's going to be really scary uh, going forward for teams having to deal with them and the fullback. So um, Leeds, on the other hand, this is what I was scared of for them. I mean, we saw last year the 6-2, and it was a repeat of it. It was just the, the way they play so open, and United just took advantage of it. Like you said, the Lindelof pass just split the whole team in half. Yep. And little things like that counterattacks. Uh, Luke Ayling, shout out to him, had an absolute worldy, uh, probably goal of the week up there, contender. But it, they just didn't have enough firepower, and, the, and it was just an overall well, well-organized United back line. So like you said at the start. So, I mean, moving forward, we know they had plenty of chances, and Leeds is definitely going to be a scoring team. Uh, one week they'll get battered, the next week they'll batter somebody else. Uh, so, I mean, we know what to expect from them. They'll definitely bounce back from this uh, in the in the second match later in the year when they rematch at Leeds, at Allen Road. So, I mean, they'll, they'll take their bump here and just move on, really. But, uh, like you said, United's going to be very scary moving forward if they can make this uh, make this performance consistent. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm so excited to continue to watch United this season. It's going to be really, really fun. And if Ole gets the backing that, um, you know, of the of the fan and, or of the fans, mm-hmm. I think they could be even scarier because you've seen, you know, as he's gotten a little bit more support from the fans and the club too, with all the money they've given him to spend. Um, you know, they've gotten better. So if, if we're not even at, you know, full support yet and we can get the full support, United are going to be very, very scary. They look like the sharpest team, I think, this uh, this week. But we'll move on. Chelsea are a contender, so we'll, we'll get to them soon. Um, Leicester City won Wolves nil. A rather flat affair from both sides, but strong showing from Leicester. Jimmy Vardy with the only goal in the 41st minute. He just still won't stop scoring. And he's still got it. I feel like he still has it. Um, we didn't see my boy Kelechi Inacho in this game, unfortunately. Uh, but we did. Oh, no, he, he did come on. He came on late, though. Yeah. Yeah, so Vardy started. James Madison behind him with a solid midfield of Ndidi and Telemans. And they have that kind of hodgepodge defense right now with Ricardo Pereira. Uh, Amarty, Sayanchu, and uh, Thomas uh, playing left back. But they looked all right. Uh, Wolves never really made a serious threat, I don't think. They looked just rather bland, in my opinion. The statistics um, actually really kind of leaned in Wolves' favor in terms of shots, but there was not as many concrete uh, chances for Wolves as there were for Leicester. Five shots on target versus Wolves' three. And Leicester controlled the tempo with the uh, 57% possession. There was a lot more passing in this Leicester side than I remember than you know last season. Um, they weren't necessarily jamming it forward like they had been at the end of last season, and that was part of the reason they were they were you know dropping points so much. I think is because they were leaving themselves open to the counter. And Wolves were that counter-attacking team for for quite some time, but. With the exit of Nuno and the influx of a few new players, Trincao included, I think they're going to have to change the way they play a little bit. There's there there, there isn't that um, that same intensity uh, with the wing backs that there used to be when uh, Nuno was there. I just think that Saiz, Cody, and Kilman, um, while solid, are probably not going to be able to stick it stick it out back there um, as a three in the back. And I think Hover and Marcel kind of were, were, they seemed like they were playing like left backs or left wing backs and right wing backs, but it wasn't, it just wasn't strong. I don't think that three in the back is going to last much longer for Wolves. I think they're going to have to do a change here Um, because this, if they play like they did against Leicester here, who weren't firing on all cylinders, in my opinion, um, you know, I don't think they're going to get much done this season. Yeah, I'm going to have to differ there. I think this Wolves team, as the game went on, they got more involved into it. Um, Adama, Tra- Adama Traore, biggest choke artist this week. Yeah, always, um, though. Always is. Missed two clean breaks. He worked his ass off to get through. He knocked Vestigard, a new signing for Leicester, on his ass when he came on. Uh, big 6'7 center back put him on his ass because he's so fucking giant. But, I mean, that's his main problem. He can get, he can create the chance, but he just can't finish it. and. Uh, his speed is deadly. Uh, it's unrivaled in this in the league right now. No defender can keep up with him. We'll, we'll see when Wolves play United if Iran is as fast as what FIFA says, but we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I mean, I think this Wolves team, as the game went on, got more involved and more tiki-taka, and they had their chances to equalize. But 
the Leicester defense was resilient. Um, I think Tillemans in this team looked awesome for Leicester. Um, he's somebody that if Ndidi can hold there, uh, like Golo Conti does at Chelsea, he's a guy that can really play that number eight well, that eight role well, box to box. And we've seen him in the past score and create a lot of great chances. So he's a great facilitator for them to have. Uh, Madison there. Uh, now with the signing of Odegaard to Arsenal, it's likely he, that Madison's going to stay this year with Leicester. So we'll, we could most likely put that to bed. Um, so this side's pretty much going to be unchanged leaving. But they're still making some signings. Like you said, with Wolves maybe changing a, a, a formation. Um, now that they got one week of notes and tape on how to play and how guys play in certain situations, maybe they go to the market and uh, bulk up certain positions. So they're looking at defense. They're looking at wingers. Um, definitely they need maybe a striker here and there uh, if they still rely on Fabio Silva. But um, I thought Trent Cow did all right for his debut. Uh, it's tough. I mean, a lot of people were saying that, that this first week of the Prem was extremely high tempo like they said these these matches were unlike the euros where it was a little bit slower but everything was end-to-end crazy fast pace had you on your toes and that's what the premier league is all about that's why it's the best league in the world but um we still have we still got 13 days left in the window so there's plenty of time for these teams to bulk up their squads going into the rest of the season yeah and you know I may be jumping the gun a little bit on Wolves, but I think a formation change could be could be interesting to see. It, it's like what that's do been we, their identity the whole the whole time in the Prem. I know, but but it start. Don't you think after that first season where you know they kind of surprised some people that they were figured out a little bit? Don't you? No, that's a managerial change. It's up to the manager and his staff to deem what seems fit. That's sure. why now they have time to bring in certain players that fit maybe a, a role change. Maybe they go to a flat four. Mm-hmm. We saw Tottenham open up in a 4-2-3-1 yep. um, with Nuna, who preferred to play a 3-4-3 with Wolves. Yep. And it worked out for them. We'll get to that later. But um, it all depends on your on your tactics, your philosophy as a coach, and what players you have in your squad. Like this Bruno Leach, uh, this isn't his squad. He just got the team. He's True going to have to transfer guys that are his guys so that's something that's going to have to happen over the process now if wolves get into a bad rut come christmas maybe he loses his job but that's up to him right now with this window with what he has left to bring in to maybe two solid players for him yeah that's true all right moving on we have chelsea three crystal palace nil this game at stanford bridge was an absolute slaughter as well um Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace, a young, inexperienced, and very fresh squad, uh, didn't get the chance to notch any goals in this one. It was the Chelsea show. Marcos Alonso scored from a fantastic free kick in the 27th. Christian Pulisic stabbed home in the 40th. And Trevor Chaloba scored in the 58th. Now, Chaloba, I believe this was his first start for Chelsea, correct? It was his first start. Yeah, he started in the Super Cup. Right, uh, I saw made his appearances in the preseasons. Yeah. So a fantastic showing from Chelsea. Thirteen shots, six of those on target. They controlled the tempo with sixty-two percent possession, and amassed a total of six hundred seventy-eight passes. They were all over the place. I thought they looked fantastic. There was, there was nothing more that I could have asked for out of Chelsea besides maybe some more involvement of Timo Werner, who did play up top in this game. Uh, I really like the way that they lined up. Chaloba at right center back, Christensen in the center, 
and then Rudiger um, at left center back, and then you had your two guys playing wing back. I wasn't. I was kind of surprised to see uh, Aspie up there. That was that was an interesting uh, interesting placement. But he looked he looked solid. They all really looked solid. He didn't get captain. Yeah, that's true. But <clears throat> he he typically plays further back, right, right in the center. Yeah, at times last season he played that right center back role, but. Um, now that everybody's full fitness and not everybody's been loaned out yet, uh, there's rumors that Chalobo is potentially going to get loaned out, which I think is outrageous because this guy is absolutely out of his mind. Yeah, he's great. It, from the academy, he he went through with James uh, Mount and all those guys. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a damn shame if they loan his ass out. Uh, I'd be pissed because he's earned that spot there Yeah, uh, over over any of these other guys. I mean... Uh, they're talking about Ampadu and uh, Melling Sargan loaned out, which I think is fine. If we have a solid six center backs, yeah. I think we'd be fine. So I think he definitely earned a spot to be in the squad for the full year. Yeah. Uh, Jorginho and Kovacic, solid showings from both of them. But um, really, I, I just think that offensively, Chelsea looked very, very good. And, and with the introduction of uh, Lukaku on the weekend, I would imagine he'll he'll be starting this weekend. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'll sub yeah. him on. Who knows? He has he has to. I, I would imagine he'll at least get some time. Is what I mean to say. He's um, wearing the number nine. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's great. Uh, Chelsea just looked really really solid. The experience of Chelsea and and Tuchel really showed um, over Vieira and his young side. I really kind of like the, the lineup that Palace put out as well. Kiate and Guehi in the center with, uh, obviously, you have Guaita in goal, as same as last year. And then Zaha up on the right and Mateta up top. Just really not not a ton of, of um, oh, I just lost the word for it, spark. Uh, I, I think that I saw more spark from Palace last year, especially towards the end. Um, There's a couple matches where I really felt like they were only a couple of pieces away from from being not competitive because we know we know how competition works in this league. But I, I just felt like a couple more young signings if they brought them in that they could be sharper. And then this was not it. Um, Vieira didn't seem like he had a ton of control over the players. Uh, I don't know if they're just figuring things out still. I don't want to write him off, of course. It's only week one, right? But I, I wasn't, I wasn't impressed with the way that the Palace played. I think Chelsea were just, were just so dominant. They were all over the place, and, and um, Palace just never really opened the door to let themselves in. They, they kind of just sat back and didn't control any sort of possession at all. That's really the only way that you're going to try and get out in front of this is, is by, by making sure that you're sharing the ball, but they, they weren't. Only one shot on target versus Chelsea's six, just just really not in the game. And, and Chelsea put out an, a, a banger of a lineup, and, and they just play so well as a unit, coming off a Champions League win and a really strong showing, um, especially at the end of last season. Carried over that momentum, I guess. Yeah, I mean, for Palace's sake, this is an awful opening matchup. <laughs> yeah, of course. To, to play Chelsea coming off of Champions League Super Cup, and even all these, all the players over the summer, we have, we I think we have like twenty-two international players. I think that's what Vieira was saying. Uh, it's just hard to compete with that. But this wasn't even a full power, a full strength Palace lineup to their credit. Uh, a lot of their midfielders are out. Gallagher couldn't play in this game due to and not being allowed to play against his parent club. Um, Eze, obviously, Olissi, another guy in their midfield who's out. 
a dude injury. So it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with there, and it's tough early on. So uh, Mateto was a guy in preseason that did it right, but was a ghost here for them. Uh, Zaha had a lot of pressure on him, and we really bottled him up well. Uh, and they and like you said, they have a very young, a young, young core that came in through Vieira signing them the back line in there. Uh, we saw Anderson get subbed on and a, a youngster who was a Chelsea Academy player. Uh, what's his Raksaki Saki. So, I mean, like the, uh, he would probably never have gotten subbed on by Roy Hodgson, but this is something that it's growing pains right now for Vieira. He's really having to try to figure out his players and what style they're going to go for. It looks like they're going to keep going with a four, four, two just to start off with for him. But I think next week is where we can really deem what their tactics are and how they play because Brentford's a side that was against Arsenal, at least, that sat back a lot and yeah. just really bided their time. So we'll see if they're more pressing on Palace, if they control the ball more, or if Palace gets the grip of the game and we'll see Zaha open up. So I think that's where I'm really going to give a honest opinion and like more a more educated decision on how they're going to go going forward. But Vieira is definitely, like I said, uh, in weeks past, he's going to be one of those guys, uh, early door uh, chopping block for me. But it's early, it's too early to say, but uh, I'm having a gut feeling about it. Yeah, I kind of am too. Uh, I, I think if he doesn't get, you know, at least A or two result in the next five, six weeks, um, his head's going to be on that dinner plate, unfortunately. Okay. And one more thing. Uh, I went three for three on my bets on Saturday. I don't know what I had that morning. Let's go. Um, how I, I, had, I had Alonzo scoring. He had that free kick. Um, earlier, I did a parlay with United and Brighton winning. And then uh, I went I bet on the Liverpool game. I had um, Salah to score and Liverpool to score over two and a half. So everything hit for me. I don't know what happened that day. I didn't hit a goddamn thing. But I'm happy that you made some money. Mm. Uh, okay, moving on. Watford 3, Aston Villa 2. I Another shocker. was shocked at this. Watford looked fantastic and you know what we should have expected it because our fucking boys managing them no 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 never mind never mind scott scotty p with bournemouth he's with bournemouth sorry i was wrong um so we should have been surprised there was plenty of reason for us to be surprised well after your after your stat last week you were saying they're opening 16 matches they only lost one in the past 16 years so i mean based off that stat, but the game should end at 3-1. The Danny Ings penalty at the end was kind of bogus. That was just yeah. lazy defending, but uh, Saar for Watford. Star yeah, for he looked great. Mm-hmm. He looked great, and um, we're seeing Troy Deeney potentially playing a more backup role yep. coming in late in games. Uh, big, gritty guy leading from the back and training ground. We'll have to see going forward, but he probably doesn't have the same legs that Vardy does at his age, obviously. Yeah. So he's not going to be going that. We um, it was pretty standard. The the Simeon guy, he did good. Uh, I'm really interested to see when Jao Pereira comes back. <clears throat> Oops, excuse me, Jao Pedro. Uh, he's something I'm really interested. Somebody I'm really interested in seeing play. But uh, yeah, I mean overall, Watford solid. They're going into next week against Villa uh, in another similar matchup, in my opinion, that they can really grind out a result and carry forward but um for villa they were without ollie watkins um surprisingly they start ashley young instead of leon bailey crazy Um, leon bailey looked great when they brought him in too yeah maybe that's due to him not fully being uh up to up to 
what am I trying to say? He's not fully on the playbook yet. He hasn't learned all the things yet. Just so recently coming from Germany, uh, Ashley Young, familiar with the Premier League, understands the play more. Uh, so maybe it was off an experience thing. But um, I was really unfortunate for Buendia. He had a lot of pressure on this yeah. on him here, playing that Jack Grealish role. Um, and only having Danny Ings up top to play with is tough. So, I mean, it's a pretty standard Aston Villa team. They didn't really change much. Just no. plugging holes here and there. John again in the middle, got a goal, great goal. Um, cash, target in the back. So, I mean, moving forward, they can really grow off this. Um, there's talks about Bertrand Traore maybe leaving, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. But um, I don't know. It, it, we'll have to wait and see when Ali Watkins is fully fit, if they go two up top or if those guys split time. And, I mean, both of those guys can start for, for pretty much any club in the Prem, uh, maybe bar the top four. But I don't know. There's, there's, there's good things. I mean, I keep saying it, it's early on. Uh, we'll have to wait and see after four weeks, maybe, with how people play. But um, Watford, the newly promoted teams, uh, at least two or three of them, surprising a lot of people. They looked very sharp offensively, I thought. Um, really dynamic, really pacey. Ismail Lassar, that was that was fantastic showing from him. I mean, I was I was caught off guard. He looked really, really good. And if they can keep if they can keep that that dynamic play going on up there, I think that Watford could be a team that that are you know at least scoring whether they're whether they're winning games or not. They could at least be in contention to win some of these games. And I think that's the thing you see with a lot of promoted clubs. Um, sometimes they just struggle to get on the score sheet. And if, if Watford can, can just manage to do that, it may take some of these results or take some of these games by surprise. And if they can get a couple of results out of that, who knows? They could be staying up. Um, but, but yeah, a, a really good showing from Watford. Defensively, I think they're sus. Um, they certainly have some things to work on. But Cabaselli, I thought, looked all right. Um, and, and Messina was okay too. These are just, you know, these are notes that I kind of jotted down while I was watching. I always jot down notes in the first half and then lose them in the mm -hmm. second. Well, we'll have to wait and see when they play a more pacey team with how yeah. they deal with a lot of those guys. Cause, uh, Villa with that lineup to start, didn't really have a lot of pace in there. Maybe El Ghazi a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Danny Ings isn't the fastest, but nope. so, I mean, we'll have to wait and see next week when they, um, when they play, who do they play next week? Watford, uh, Bright. Oh well, they won't get that against Brighton. No, 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 no. All slow. The following week they play Spurs, so we'll see how they do against Sun. And that's very pacey. We'll get to them later. They were unbelievable this weekend. All right, next one: Everton three, Southampton one. An Adam Armstrong goal put Southampton ahead in the twenty-second minute, and I thought that would be curtains for Everton. However, yeah. a blue wave rose up and swallowed Southampton whole in the second half. <clears throat> Everton goals by Richarlison in the 47th, Abdullah Dekoura in the 76th, and good old boy DCL in the 81st led Everton to all three points over Southampton side, who didn't know what to do in the second half. Everton looked fantastic in the second half. They looked a little flat, a little listless, and a little lost in the first half. However, this is their first this is their first week under a new manager. Not a lot changed. Oh, this last year with Ancelotti. Yeah, we did. And and then, you know, almost immediately, like right on a dime, they pick it up at halftime. And they just looked unbelievable. Not a lot of changes in the team as far as uh, personnel goes. We saw a couple of a couple of minutes, you know, from Damari Gray, um, which, which was good. But you have DCL, Richarlison, 
Um, DeCoy, Allen, Keane, Coleman, Digne, Pickford. It's all the same guys pretty much from last year. Of course, there's no James in here that he, he was integral in their first, in their September and October success last season, but he's on his way out. Um, Rafa doesn't want anything to do with him, which I can't blame him. He was Ancelotti's boy. That's, it's really, um, it's, it's, um, Benitez's prerogative. He can, he can pick whoever he chooses to play in his side, but, uh, Southampton, I, I thought, looked really good in the first half, and I thought that this would be one of those games where a draw could happen. Did, what, did I pick a draw? Yeah, you went with a draw. I went yeah. with the Southampton upset. Yeah, so so we were both wrong here. Um, and after that first half, I was really content. I was like, you know, Everton looked really shit. They really did look very, very flat. But I was, I was thoroughly pleased to see them come out and, and really um blow the doors off Southampton that was that was a fantastic second half and I'm kind of excited to see what Everton has in store for us I'm hoping they don't fall off like they did last season we'll have to see I think Rafa Benitez as a manager is a great signing for a club like Everton because um, he's a manager that can get the best out of uh, not the flashiest players I think Ancelotti uh, is used to the Madrids and the Napoli and all those other big clubs he's used to having those big was he at Bayern for a little bit he was yeah so he's used to that like high profile player bringing in guys like Hamas whereas Benitez is more uh shrewd and tactical and bringing in people maybe not the biggest signings but guys that fit the roles that he needs and I think Everton can really go off of that and um just push forward Southampton after this and selling a couple of their key players I think they're going to be relegation contenders. They're going to concede goals. Yeah. They're going to be like Leeds last year. They're going to or West Brom. They're going to concede goals. They have very young players in the back, inexperienced. You got a average goalkeeper in McCarthy. So I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they go moving forward. They've experienced forward with Walcott. Um, Jay Adams is going to have to play a more major role for them. I think Adam Armstrong is going to have. At least 10 goals for them. I think he's going to have to pick up the Danny Ings slack. And coming from the championship with, I think, 40-some in two seasons is quality for a club like Southampton that can really mold him into a better player. Hopefully, uh, Romeo and Ward-Prowse in the middle stay healthy because those guys are the backbone of the team. But, yeah, I mean, early on they look great, but it's all about completing the full 90. You can't have parts of the game to go good and then just give up the other you see things like this happen with Everton. They just go on a, on a, on a rampage. So both sides, different paths, but we'll have to wait and see with more, more games, more film to base a more concrete opinion. Yeah. All right. I agree. Uh, good showing for Everton. Really excited to see what they have in store for us next week. Burnley one, Brighton two. Ah, man, this was a sweaty one. This was a sweaty one. The overhit, I wasn't expecting it. I think both of us kind of predicted that there would just be one or two goals here. But Murkowski got himself on the score sheet, maybe returning to that, um, not last season, the season before his form. So that was good to see. Uh, He scored in the second minute, and it wasn't until the 73rd that Neil Mopai struck back for Brighton. In the 78th, Alexis McAllister scored and really secured all three points for Brighton. Now, this was actually a very, very good game. I, I was thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, 14 shots for Brighton, eight of those on target, three shots on target for Burnley. But Brighton actually looked, 
I don't want to say solid, but they did look solid. They conceded early, but they managed to get themselves back into it. They controlled possession, 65% possession. Their pass accuracy was much better than Burnley's. They strung the ball around the, the pitcher. Oh, excuse me, really well. And I think they kept themselves out of trouble in, enough to, to kind of just make sure that they stayed in the game. Brighton are one of those teams where last season they have they have a lot of fouls. They foul a lot of players and they have a they have a discipline problem. Mopai is one of those players that has a serious discipline problem. And I just think that this was a much much more structured, much more solid, and a better playing Brighton side than we saw at the end of last season. So props to Graham Potter for this one. Um, he, he outclassed on Sean Dyche, who I think is probably a better manager. They're probably kind of right even with each other in terms of prestige. But um, a, a really good showing for Brighton. I thought they were they were really solid. Uh, Basuma looked good. You saw Mwepu get some minutes. He was one of their new signings. I think they brought him in for, what, 30 mil, something like that. Do you remember, that? Do you remember when he came in? Yeah, I'm trying to find the, the exact amount. But, yeah, he was solid. Um, you have, you know, the likes of Solly Marsh, who was pretty um, pretty sharp for them last season. And then, you know, most of the, the same old boys. You have Dunk in the back with uh, Pascal Gross on the left. And uh, Trossard up playing uh, left mid, left wing. And Brighton deserved all three points here. Fuck you, Burnley. Uh, I'm glad you lost. Uh, and I, I did pick Brighton straight up here. So although it wasn't a 1-0 uh, a win for them, it was a 2-1 two, two win. Uh, it was good to see them. Good to see them play. I don't know if you have anything specific to say about them, but I think Burnley looked flat as usual. And White Boo was $25 million. Okay, I was um, close. You picked a draw in this game. I picked Brighton. I did? I did pick a draw? You went with the draw. Oh. Uh, I, I went with Brighton. I took a chance with them, and they came back. I'm a clown. Um, the, the substitution of Moldair, they're signing from last season. He got both assists. He looked great out there on the right. Um, McAllister making a great run, getting off his man for the winning goal. Um, I'll say Brighton have a good spine to their team. Uh, now that Basuma has a partner in Mwepu in there, who had a great season with Salzburg last year. Two solid guys that can be box to box, and Waypu gets more forward, more of an eight, eight box to box guy. Um, Dunk, obviously, top quality center back in there. Uh, Shane Duffy's a great partner for him. He's a big brood, uh, tough guy coming from the Scottish League. Um, Trossard and March didn't really do much. Mupai did get his goal, but he got a yellow card. Uh, he was ta- he was talking shit, I'm sure, um, but. Uh, Burnley, on the other hand, get that early goal. Potentially, maybe it shouldn't have counted. Uh, Tarkovsky get a, gets a full-on push-off on Mupai, fully extended arms, and gets away with it from VAR, which I thought was crazy. Uh, but, yeah, Burnley took their lead for granted. Couldn't cu- couldn't stick it out. Chris Wood didn't get on the score sheet. I was surprised there. Um, but uh, overall, great performance from Graham Potter. They really pulled the game back uh, and stuck to their tactics and got a solid win. Uh, going into week two, where they potentially can get even more points. Yeah. Alrighty, let's move on past that game to Norwich City nil, Liverpool three. This was mm-hmm. one that Matt and I both um, both projected to be a win for Liverpool. Three mm-hmm. goals for the in front three for for Liverpool. Uh, Shota, Firmino, and Salah all getting on the score sheet. 
Uh, these goals were, were spread apart throughout both halves. Jota looked really, really sharp, in my opinion. You know, just what I was expecting. But Salah looked to be getting back to his old self. Uh, a little bit of a... I don't know. I don't want to say it was a departure from his absolute best last season because he did still play quite well. Um, but I think that Salah could have an absolute banger of a year. I think Liverpool could have a banger of a year. They looked much, much better um, with Van Dijk back, you know, lining up with, with Matip. And then PAA on the right. Uh, Robbo's injured, so Tamikas was in there um, for him on the left. But that side that they put out was, was pretty good. Mane looked all right. He didn't get himself on the score sheet, so hopefully he can figure that out soon because um, you need to rely on him to, to get everything, to get the absolute most um, out of the front three. But they looked really good. Uh, Norwich, not necessarily a team that's going to put up a ton of, uh, a ton of fight. Uh, I actually had a bet on Rashica uh, over 0.5 shots on target. He did not do that. Uh, <laughs> but... but uh, Norwich kind of just did what we thought they would do. They they weren't amazing. Billy Gilmore did play, so it was nice to see him getting a start. Uh, but I just I wasn't necessarily impressed with Norwich. But what really could they have done, you know? Yeah, it's very tough. I mean, obviously the history with Liverpool, they get battered. But um, I thought for Norwich, at least, I think Max Aarons put in a solid performance at right back. He's a guy that... I think a lot of clubs are looking at, and I don't know why anybody hasn't pulled the trigger on him. I think that's a quality signing there. Yeah. Um, Todd Cantwell is a very influential player for their team. He was also linked with a couple moves, but never pulled through. I mean, they they have solid players around. We didn't see Pookie get on the score sheet. Uh, he'll definitely get on it later. But um, for Liverpool, at least, I think the Jota start over Firmino was solid. You saw it pay off. Uh, and even Firmino came on and got a goal, like you said, so... And uh, with Salah's goal, Salah's goal uh, I think he's the first player ever to score in five consecutive season openers. Uh, they said that stat, so that was crazy for him. But um, I think Liverpool kind of got away with this a little bit with their midfield. They kind of played a, ba- a backup midfield with Milner, uh, Ox, and Keita. They rested Fabinho a little bit. Um, obviously, no Thiago. He's out. Uh, he's a guy that will only give you maybe 20 games a year. Yeah, uh, He's in- very injury-prone. I think that's something where... I'm surprised that there's no word about them getting any midfielders. Um, I definitely can see them deadline day get somebody. I think they have to um, if they're going to last all season because I don't think you can rely on this core. I mean, Chamberlain, Keita, and Thiago all have their injury problems. You lose those three, you're down to Milner, Fabinho, and that's it. Maybe you slide Jota back in there, but that's probably never, never going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be where they win or lose the Premier League this year. They can definitely contend. Um, I think team, people take their squad right now for granted uh, just because they didn't sign anybody huge besides Kanate that we forget how deadly they can be. Um, they did win the league two years ago with this team, so yep. um, it, we know it can be done. And with a full health Van Dyke. I mean, anything's possible for them. So I think moving forward, um, they match up against Burnley this week and then following that, Chelsea. So we'll see what they do. Um, but pretty standard performance here. We 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 figured this was going to happen, and it did. So I would say moving forward, Liverpool looks solid. Norwich are going to struggle. Now they play City, then Leicester, and then Arsenal. So 
potentially they get one point out of those next three, and we'll be saying they're done. Yeah, most likely. Okay, moving on. Newcastle 2, West Ham 4. The Hammers with a comeback. Um, Callum Wilson opened the scoring. This game was awesome. This game was a fucking heater, dude. Uh, Callum Wilson opened the scoring in the fifth minute, put Newcastle up 1-0. Aaron Questwell, Aaron Questwell, I always say Questwell, always, dude. Aaron Cresswell struck in the 18th to tie it level. Jacob Murphy put Newcastle ahead again in the 40th, and then halftime, uh, halftime came. In the 53rd, Saeed Benrama drew West Ham level. Suchek added another in the 63rd, and then big man on campus, Mikel Antonio, notched the fourth goal in the 66th minute, um, and, and that was it. That's when the scoring ended. But holy hell, six goals, a thriller, um, you know, some lead changes. It was level at, at points. This was a really, really great game. I think West Ham exhibited a lot of grit um, coming back here and making sure that they didn't fall. This game was at St. James Park, so it was home for Newcastle. I think they even looked um, pretty solid. But but West Ham are certainly the better excuse, excuse me uh, better team on paper, and they really showed what they were worth here. Um, St. Max and Callum Wilson up top for Newcastle was a really solid pairing. Um, but you have the likes of Miguel Almiron and Isaac Hayden, John Joe Shelby playing behind them, and you know you know what you're going to get out of those guys. Almiron's one of the most fraudulent players in the league. Um, and West Ham really just have a much stronger side. My boy Pablo Fornals in there, Ben Rama, Jared Bowen, Antonio, uh, Declan Rice, and Suchek both look solid. And then they have a, you know, they've established quite this nice little back line for themselves with Crestwell, um, Ogbonna, who slides in and out, uh, Craig Dawson, and Kufal. So I really thought that West Ham were good here. Uh, I hope that they can continue this kind of play. It, coming back in week one is really solid. Um, that's a great thing to carry on into the next week. I'm sure I'm always to be really happy um, with the mental strength that, that these guys exhibited. And I'm super excited to see what West Ham have in store for us this season because I'd love to be surprised. I know I said I, I thought they'd maybe come back down to earth a little this season, but I would love to see them be one of those teams that are you know upsetting the best again. Uh, I'm really excited to see what they have. Yeah, both of these sides this year have two key guys for me that are going to have to play major roles for them. On the West Ham side, you have Ben Rama. He's going to have to play that Jesse Lingard role, uh, explosive, creative playmaker that gets the fans on their feet and creates plays for everybody. And he did in this game. He got himself on the score sheet. Uh, we saw him do it in the past with Brentford last season, or two seasons ago, I should say. Um very creative guy has to fill in that role. Um, they don't really have a lot of depth in that position, so he can really make his own if he doesn't get hurt. And on the other side, another guy that has injury problems uh, for the past couple of seasons, my boy St. Maxman, looked absolutely crazy going forward. Yeah, a couple step overs, fake Rabona, got the cross into Wilson goal. Uh, he's a guy that you really love to watch the game because of him, because he's so fun to watch on the ball. Uh, but he has his own issues with injuries. Uh, one thing I thought he could have worked on is he's coming. he was coming so far back to get the ball. He was coming back to where Shelby was as a holding mid and was having to cover a lot more ground, whereas he could have played more forward uh, to receive the ball in more dangerous areas. But that's how it was with Newcastle. If they didn't get it to him, they weren't really getting it out of their back. Uh, you saw Hayden will play that Joe Willock role. Now that Willock's in the club, he's going to probably get that spot. 
Um, so they're going to have a lot more options going forward. Uh, they, they're sticking to this 5-3-2 that Bruce has them playing. Um, so I think both teams, their problem this year is going to be squad depth, um, mainly for Newcastle, their defense. They've lost a lot of defenders. They let a lot of guys go. Um, and like I said earlier, they're looking at getting Ampadu and Saar from Chelsea on loan. They're probably looking at other guys too because maybe they won't get both of those guys. But I think the bulking up their defense is massive for them. Uh, maybe getting another midfielder potentially to add some pace. But we, we know Mike Ashley isn't going to spend that much, so they maybe have one more signing in them. But on the other hand, for West Ham, uh, like you said, they have a solid core group. Um, I'd say they have to invest into more attacking players. Obviously, Antonio is the only striker at the club. So if they can sign somebody, I mean, we saw Tammy Abraham. They let him go. He went to Roma. Uh, a bunch of other guys they couldn't get. So I'm sure in their best interest to loan somebody. But um, I think both of these sides from this game can take uh, a lot of positives. We saw Newcastle, who at times struggled to create chances. Uh, create a lot of good chances and score a couple. And West Ham, on the other hand, uh, scoring four in your opener is very solid for a team like this. Um, now that you see Ben Rama can step up, Bowen can step up, and four nows as well, they're going to have to make up for that Lingard effect. So I think both squads look solid going forward. Yeah. All righty. Let's go ahead and <clears throat> move on to the final game of the week. We're going to try our best to keep this under an hour, boys. Um, Tottenham won, Manchester City nil. An absolute championship hangover for Manchester City, who I thought played a little bit flat. Tottenham came out sharp behind new man Nuno Esperanto Santo, however the fuck you say his name. He has like three names. But a fantastic showing for the boys. Uh, Huangman Son with a beautiful step over, curling left foot shot um, past... Uh, Pass Ruben Diaz and Ederson, who, I don't know, it seemed like they kind of just chose to let the ball in there. Um, but it was a fantastic effort from him. He scored um, in the 55th minute right after halftime. And I just, I felt that Tottenham were absolutely electric on the break. They exhibited so much pace going forward between Son, um, Bergvein, and, uh, and Lucas. They were just they were really, really good. They looked great. I thought Deli Alley looked okay. And I think the back line there um, for, for Tottenham Hotspur, you know, Jeffrey Tanganga, take a bow, son. He was immense in this game. He was fantastic. He was all over everybody. He was forcing so many mistakes and dribbles. And just, he was so aggressive. And I haven't seen that from a Spurs back in so long. It was just so nice to see, you know, young, youth product, really, really sharp, fantastic performance. And he got a ton of praise from Nuno. Really, the whole side got a ton of praise uh, from Nuno. And I just, I don't know. I'm just, maybe I think I was wrong about Tottenham. And, and they could be a real problem this year. I don't think it's too early to say. Um, one thing for sure, Nuno has Pep's number. Uh, this is his third time getting a win in the Premier League against Pep. Uh, he's one of only four managers now to do so, uh, the others being Klopp, Ali, and Mourinho. So that's something to really show for with um, his tactics. Um, statistically, though, following that, I think Tottenham, what was it? Tottenham had the least amount of possession out of every team this week at 34% possession. 
um, and still getting a result like that is massive. We know regardless of if, even if Man City have a bad day, they're going to have at least 60% of possession. Um, so that's guaranteed. But I think Tottenham playing on the counterattack isn't too far-fetched for them. I mean, that's what they did last couple seasons with Mourinho. So it's not too hard for Nuno to step in and do the same thing. Uh, he's used to doing that with Wolves. So, I mean, their game tactics were pretty were spot on. Um, having a guy like, like Sonny uh, is massive with that pace. I think a guy like Bergwijn is going to have a, a more established role now that Bale's not there. And he, with Harry Kane being out, Son playing that striker role gives him even more leeway and more freedom. So I think he's somebody that really can shine this year. Uh, we didn't get to see their new signing, Gil. He's still training and getting used to the system and learning the language. So. Uh, still yet to see him. Um, Christian Romero, another big signing for them, center back partner for Eric Dyer, with Sanchez potentially leaving. So there's still some players we haven't seen yet for them that can take them to the next level and really push for that top four finish. And I think they are capable of it. But it's all going to come down to Harry Kane if he leaves or stays. Um, for me, right now, I'd say he's going to stay. Um, but if he leaves, 25 goals gone. Um, but we just saw they can get results without him. So who knows? Yeah, you're, you're going to leave goals on the table if, if Kane's not playing for you. I think that's, that's a certainty. But if they can still get results, you know, it's not like you have to score five, six goals, four, four goals every game. Some of those games you're going to have to shoot your way back into. But if you can go ahead and if you can be the team that's, that's going to go ahead first and, and then lock things down, Guys like Tanganga, guys like Reguillon, I mean, they have they have enough back there, maybe, um, to get some results out of the defensive side, I think. We'll, we'll have to see, but if, if those three, if Lucas, Son, and Bergvon can really establish themselves as, as a, a partnership, um, much like, like Kane and Son used to work together very closely, I think that we could see... We could see Tottenham get some really solid results and maybe place higher up on the table than I initially thought. And like you said, it is very early, but it's really nice to see that in week one from them uh, as just a general fan of the Premier League. As an Arsenal fan, it pains me to see that. But uh, the, the, the word is, before we move on to our, our predictions quick and close this out, uh, Daniel Levy's no longer accepting calls from City. He's refusing to sell Harry Kane. Um, according to the Telegraph, Tottenham have already rejected a 125 million pound bid from Manchester City for Harry Kane. Christ. And that's 125 million British pounds. I don't oh necessarily see them stretching for much more than that. I mean, it's going to be a shame. I, I, I know I said a couple weeks ago, we might not see Harry Kane play this year. I He's think it's, I, I don't know for who. If he doesn't want to play for Spurs, he's not going to play for Spurs. I don't yeah. know. He's going to play. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know when. He's, he's, he's practically the face of the league. Practically. But, I mean, there's a time where Calvin Johnson was the face of the NFL and he just retired. <laughs> you know? The life, the life span of a NFL player is a lot shorter than Premier League. That's true, but I'm just saying it. You know, crazier shit has happened. Yeah, I know. Um, all right, let's move on to predictions. 
the first match of next week, Saturday, August 21st at 7.30 a.m. Liverpool take on Burnley at Anfield. This is a straight-up Liverpool win for me. I don't think Burnley are grinding this one out. Liverpool win. Uh, they split last year. Uh, Burnley took one win at Anfield, where Liverpool went one at Turf Moor. Um, is this game at Anfield? Oh, Jesus, it is. Um, so it has to be Liverpool in a route because this is going to be the first time in a year and a half that Anfield's going to have people in it. It's going to be loud. Yeah, it's going to be fucking crazy. It's going to be a 3 0 win. I think that's fair. I'd be confident in betting the over in Liverpool, too. Um, all right, next one Aston Villa and Newcastle. This game is at Villa Park. Aston Villa are unbeaten in their last six Premier League matches against Newcastle United. Two wins and four draws since losing 1 0 back in February 2015. I am going with Aston Villa. Yeah, I like. I liked watching Newcastle. I love Saints. They did look good, dude. Saint Max is awesome. He's to watch. the only. Re- he's the only reason I'm thinking Newcastle here. Joe Willock, will he play? That pushes me even more. I don't know why I have this weird feeling for Newcastle, but they have a thin defense. Danny Ings is a guy that plucks people apart. Willie Ollie Watkins be back? Um, what are they saying right here on the on the depth chart with? His reports. I don't think there's any updates on him. The latest one was uh, they're saying there's good news for him that he's potentially going to be there. But I don't know. I don't know if Aston Villa is going to convert their formation to two up top uh, or if they're going to stick with their one alone. I don't know. But um, I think I'm going to play it safe. And I shouldn't say play it safe. I think these teams <laughs> right now are even. I think I'm going to go with a draw. Okay, that's fair enough. I can really see this game going either of three ways, True, t- truly. So we'll have to see, but uh, I'm going to go with Villa. Next one, Crystal Palace, Brentford. I am going to stray from the pack here. I think some people will be thinking Brentford may carry it over. I'm actually going to go with Patrick Vieira. Um, and I, I, I think Palace win here, actually, believe it or not. I think we're going to see like two, maybe two goals from uh, from Zaha. I'm just expecting, I'm expecting a sharp, sharp match from this Palace side. I think they need to win here, and I think Vieira oh, knows yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, Colin, Connor Gallagher is going to be available here now, so that adds some more pace and yep. youth into that midfield. I think that's huge for them. Uh, we saw last week with how Smith Rowe played. He had a great match in there uh, playing that 10 role, so it's possible for Gallagher to do the same. Yep. Um, I think Zaha is something that Pepe tried to emulate last week against them and had a lot of chances, but couldn't get it. Uh, Zaha is a more cutthroat kind of guy. He's proven in yeah. the Premier League. Um, so I definitely think he can get on the score sheet here. I am leaning more towards Brentford right now, but I think that's my eyes being blurred from last week. Yeah. Um, but I think Brentford can get in this game. I just don't know how they play against mid-table teams. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, I think for competition's sake, I'm going to go with Brentford here. I, I don't think Vieira is the guy for them. I don't think he's going to get his tactics right. And I think what uh, Frank and them have going for them at Brentford's huge. So I'm going to ride I'm gonna ride the bandwagon and think they're going to carry it over. I can respect that. And I love the Brentford badge. I love the bees. Bizarre, but I love yeah, it. The bees are going to play the Hornets. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next one, Leeds United versus Everton. This 
I remember last season was a thriller, and I think it could be again. I am going to go with... Usually Leeds don't draw games. That's the thing. Uh, I think last year they maybe had five. Yeah, they don't draw games. Uh, This was a 4-3 win for Everton last season, I think. It was a fucking crazy-ass game. I remember watching it in my car. 2-1, the second leg, and the first time Leeds won 1-0. All right, I'm thinking of something else then. Leeds had five draws last year, which was the fewest. Okay. I'm definitely thinking of a different fixture, but that's fine. Um, I'm going to go with a draw. Which I know I just said everything against, but I'm actually going to go with the draw. This is going to be a very tactical matchup because both the managers are well-respected and have a lot going for them right now. Rafa, uh, very defensive-oriented team, very gritty teams in the past. When he was at Liverpool, Newcastle, those teams are very tough and broody, and I think Everton's a good fit for that. Leeds, very flashy going forward, creative. I think Rafinha has a lot to redeem himself from last week. Bamford being quiet, um, scoring 17 last year. I think he needs to pick it up here. Um, I'm going to go with a Leeds bounce back. I think that's tough against last week's performance with Everton and what United did to them. I think that's going to put a fire under their asses, and I think Everton's going to be their latest victim. Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm changing mine, actually. I think Everton's going to win. Okay. I'm I'm off the draw. Uh, that was dumb. Okay, uh, Manchester City versus Norwich is the next one. That's an easy one. City are winning. They have to bounce back. They have to get going here early. Um, and Norwich just, they, they don't have what it takes to beat City, unfortunately. Yeah, Jack Grealish is, this is a big game for him because if he starts again, um, he's he he's gonna have to stray away from how he played at Phillip. Yeah, four or five touches. It doesn't fit the city way. It's more you have to be more unselfish and move the ball quicker. Um, but I definitely think he can score here. Hopefully, Mares can get on the score sheet. Uh, he's a big motivation guy or momentum guy. Um, so yeah, I think City. Yep, I agree. Alrighty, let's move on to the next one. That is Brighton versus Watford. Now, this one could get dicey. However, I believe that Watford will carry momentum from last week. I think that they're going to be really strong going forward. And I don't think, um, I think Brighton conceding to Burnley, uh, who don't have nearly as much pace up top as Watford do, uh, is, is definitely a factor. And I think that Watford can actually get a result here. Yeah, I'm going to stick with a draw, just short and simple. Okay, fair enough. Next one, we have Southampton versus Manchester United. For me, uh, Southampton folded under pressure last week, uh, going into half leading. And I just think that United are going to be that team, especially against Southampton here, um, that just get all over them so early, get their fucking foot on their neck and just never let go. And I think United win this one handily. I can see like 3-0 going down here. Yeah, potentially we could see Cavani back, make an appearance. He's still isolating with COVID. Um, last time these teams played, it was the 9 nothing uh, murder. Oh, my God. Yeah, the slaughter. I think we could see that again here, so I'm going to go United heavy. Yeah. Holy fuck, I forgot about that. That was, that was a crazy game. Uh, okay, next one, Wolves-Tottenham. Nuno takes on his old club. 
um, with Tottenham, who I think are, are geared up for an absolute slaughter fest against Wolves here. Um, I know that Wolves weren't awful last week against Leicester, but I think that if Tottenham can carry some of that same play style that they used last week against City, who are, you know, the best team in the league, or going by last year's results, uh, that they absolutely pummel Wolves. I think that this game's at Molyneux Stadium, so this is uh, home for Wolves, but I like Tottenham here. Be without Kane again. He's still just coming back to training and probably not mentally in the right state, so probably still no Kane, but I think they'll be fine here. Uh, Wolves always put up a decent effort against Tottenham. Um, Nuno, knowing the squad on the other side, is massive tactically. So I think Tottenham get up the result. All righty. And what do we have? Two more or one more? Two. Oh, brother. <laughs> uh, London Derby between Arsenal and Chelsea. I have to pick Chelsea. I cannot in good conscience pick Arsenal. I don't care who is playing. I don't care if I don't care if they get Henri back. No, the Arsenal's not winning this game. There's no way Chelsea win. They split results last year. Arsenal getting in the first match and Chelsea getting the second. Um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of goals in this game. Um, I think Arsenal are going to be decently set up now that they just had a were shell shocked by Brentford. I think Mikel's going to really have to go back to fundamentals and really work on those. Things because um, possession wise, I think Chelsea's going to dominate here uh, with those wing backs. Um, we're going to see if um, Xhaka and Sambi in the middle can handle. Um, I think Angola should be back this game as well for us. He took a knock in the Super League, our uh, Super Cup, I should say. Sorry. So potentially he'll be back. So that would be massive for us. Uh, that goes without saying. But yeah, I have to back Chelsea here. Um, Lukaku is, I think he has to play in this game. He has to. It's a London derby. It's massive. He's got the number nine. Uh, he has to play in this game. And if he does, I don't know what's going to happen to Timo. If Timo starts on the bench, um, it's going to be Lukaku, Mount, those two up front. And then it's between Pulisic, Werner, and Havertz for me. Yeah. So I honestly couldn't give you a solid 11. I have no idea. I, I, if I was too cool, I wouldn't know what the fuck to do. Well, maybe he, Chelsea could just leave Timo at the Emirates and he can stay. Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, we'll trade him. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get like 20 mil back for what he's done. Yeah, it's fine. You know, in the Abraham contract when we sold him, yeah, there's, there's a buyback, buyback clause yeah. for, for 80? Yep. Why? That's just in case he turns into Lukaku. That's, that's literally why it exists. I just I don't see him being that guy. I think I he's still either. young in his career. He's just clumsy though. Like when I watch him play, he's a little clumsy. Okay, well Lukaku was the clumsiest striker I had ever seen for the first six years of his career, and look at him now. Could happen. Fair. Should ha- You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and and I think the reason that it's eighty mil. Like I I actually took some time to think about this because I I said the same thing. I was like, wow, eighty million is kind of a lot. Like, I don't necessarily see Abraham ever being worth that. But after Lukaku's stints at Everton and United, I kind of felt the same way. Like, he was kind of this hulking monstrosity. And then the money every year, you know, we see more money getting spent on these players. So down the line, $80 million might, if he does develop to even, let's say, 85% of what Lukaku is now, because um, they're kind of similar, like, very tall, um, like, target men. 
if he if he develops to eighty five percent of that potential that Lukaku has or that he is now, um, and the the figures keep escalating, eighty million could be a steal. Who knows? We don't know where. We have no idea where the sport's headed in terms of money because it seems like yeah. money just keeps going up. Yeah, I definitely think um, Silva's not going to be in this. I think he's not fit enough. I just can't see a guy at 37, 38 years old leading that back line with the amount of pace in this league. The guy knows where to be on the field, which helps immensely. That's, but that's the thing. It's his position. If, he, if he's caught out, he's going to get burnt. He's going to pull a hamstring. He's fucked. So I think having a guy like Chalalba in there with Rudiger and Christensen or Zuma is solid enough for me. Um, I'd like to see Chilwell start out there, but Alonzo is having a great preseason and now a great start of the year. He gives you a different look than Chilwell a tiny bit. Chilwell is more a bit pacey and whatnot. Alonzo is more, he's a lot taller. He's got a great shot on him. He can take free kicks where Chilwell can't. So he adds a different element to the team, which I like. But it, there's just so much, so many options. It's just so tough to decide what. And it's a, it's a, it's like a first world problem or a big club problem. Just like so much talent, which is spoiled to say. But I just, it's tough for me not to. It's tough for me to go against Chelsea in any of these games this year. It's the same way with City. I just have in my mindset they're just so stacked they can't lose, and it's gonna happen. They're gonna lose. Arsenal can easily win this game if we don't get in the right mindset. It can easily happen, but I think I'm going to play it safe and just go with Chelsea. Yeah, I think I am too. Uh, as much as it pains me to do so, I just don't think Arsenal are there yet. You know, Maybe in the second leg, but I don't know about this one. All right, West Ham-Leicester is the last game. This could be a really, really good game. Um, I will be glued to my television for this one. We have a Monday game, which makes me happy. I love having a game on Monday. Uh, this game kicks off at 3 p.m. at the London Stadium. The West Ham will be home for this one. And I think it's a draw. I think it's like a 1-1, 2-2, like barn burner, kind of laid on game. Um, I know West Ham are kind of looking right now. They're, they're really trying to get Lingard to quit at United and, and come back, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think if they do get that to happen, they're going to get a fucking gigantic injection. Like, they're going to just play unbelievably, but I don't see it happening. So. Um, with that being said, I just think that West Ham and Leicester are both really um, just consistent, solid, especially if we're looking at the last season or so, and I think you know what you're going to get out of both teams, and I just I think that they're both good enough going forward, and I think that they're both relatively solid at the back. I could see West Ham winning more than I can see Leicester winning, um, which I know is strange, because I have Leicester projected pretty high, but I, I'm really I'm banking on a draw here. Yeah, I'm right there with you on a draw. I think both teams have it in them to do well this year. I don't know um, how they're going to do in this matchup. Last season, West Ham got the double over Leicester, 3-0 and 3-2. Uh, I think this is one of the games we live stream where Lingard had an incredible brace. Oh, yeah. And then they let the lead slip late in the game, and Inacho got a brace. So I think that can easily happen here. One team can get too cocky uh, in a certain type of the match. But, I mean, Leicester defensively are having major problems. Yeah. They're, they're, they're struggling with fitness. Bertrand just tested positive for COVID, so he's going to be out for a little bit. Um, Castagna's still with his mask. I don't know what the hell's going on with him. But, I mean, 
if if they can keep going with all these injuries and still win, I mean their midfield is their backbone right now. Tillemans and Ndidi will probably the one of the top three pairings uh, in the midfield right now. They're so solid. Mm-hmm. They're just so solid. It's tough. And West Ham, a very thin squad, but they, they, I think their squad is the most unchanged from last season. They've only they've only brought in Ariola. And that's a backup goalie. Everybody else, it's the same from last year. So they know how to play with each other. And that's something that Moyes has probably sewn into him with all of his experience, just like consistency. So uh, I'm sure they'll make one or two more signings before deadline day. I hope so for their sake. Uh, But I think this game is going to end in like a 1-1 draw. All righty. Yep, I think we're in agreement. So that concludes our recap and preview of week two. I am so excited for the games to get underway. I'm sure Matt is as well. And mm-hmm. that's all we have for you this week. Uh, if you guys want to check us out on social media, you can find us at Post20Pod on uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Post20Podcast um, on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts if you want to listen there. Uh, we have a YouTube as well, Post20Podcast. You're welcome to head over there, subscribe. Um, I am piece by piece figuring my camera out. I think I can get up to an hour of footage, so it's close. I'm hoping that next week uh, we can record video. Uh, we'll have to see. I have to do some more in-depth testing, heat testing this week. Um, but yeah, things are looking good. It's going to be a fantastic season. We're excited to be back. And that's all for me. Yep, thank you guys so much. Um... A lot, lot of Premier League coming up now. Um, it's going to keep coming at us. International break and whatnot. The World Cup qualifiers. So there's a lot going on uh, with summer winding down. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it for me. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll catch you next week. See you guys.